This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. It's always a pleasure to get back into the fold. The great EJ Raddick from NHL Now. You can check him out on the NHL Network between the hours of 4 and 6 Eastern. How are you, buddy? How was your weekend? I'm good. I'm good. I, it was good. We both got to call a really exciting game on Saturday afternoon at The Rock. You were there. I was in the studio in Secaucus, but nonetheless, the job was similar. Call the action, and there was a lot of it. It's just crazy. Three times they've met, and the team that scored the first two goals in the game lost. It's it, it's crazy, and I guess that's kind of representative of really. If we go back to when we first started doing NHL Live, like everything the NHL wanted to come out of that lockout 15 years ago, about having no lead be safe, have more goals be scored, and I don't know what exactly has led to the explosion this year, but no lead is safe. You're not turning games off when it's three nothing in the third anymore because maybe just maybe it'll be a game. And I'm looking at these stats, 3.17 goals per game, which is the highest average since the 93-94 season. And the current power play conversion is 22.4, the highest since 89-90 when it was 20.7, almost 20.8. So it is kind of crazy just how much of an offensive league. We might see a few 60-goal scorers this year. It's been fun. Yeah, it really has been, and you're right. The numbers are, are up, and that power play number was a kind of a sneaky one that I uh, was speaking to Bruce Boudreau, the coach of the Canucks, a couple weeks ago, my former colleague at NHL Network. And, His birthday today. You know, he mentioned, yeah, oh, there you go. I'll have to wish him a happy birthday. Uh, it's, um, it's funny because he mentioned that to me, too, that, like, you know, if you're a 20% power play, you're, like, bottom eight or ten in the league now, and that used to be pretty good. So, uh, yeah, scoring is definitely up. Guys, teams are coming from behind, and the Rangers and Devils. That I don't know what kind of parlay you would get on a three-game parlay that you have to give give up two goals. Like the team that was down two goals would rally to win each of those games. I mean, that's kind of crazy that it would happen, but all I can say is let's have more of it, and I hope that the Rangers and Devils uh, – get together in the postseason because that would be a fun playoff series oh that would be that would be a tremendous amount of fun too and you know the devils have certainly come back to earth after their start they snapped an eight game losing streak at home on saturday with that win but they're still in second place plus 30 goal differential they've been outstanding on the road um it is so close this metropolitan division ej we talk about on this podcast all the time First place, Carolina, who's also come back down to earth after their 11-game winning streak, 57 points. And then you drop down to the Islanders, who are on the outside looking in, just 11 points off that pace. You know, But it's going to be fun down the stretch here. Is it possible that we could see a above-mid-90s points team, say 96-97, not make the playoffs? I guess it's possible. I mean, uh, last year I think we had a hundred, we had eight hundred point teams in the East, right? Right. So, and the East was different last year because it was, you know, it was eight up, eight down in the East, and you know, this year there are several teams that, although they might not make it, are much more competitive and gaining more points. So. I think you're probably right. I mean, there'll probably be a team that's in the high 90s that doesn't make it because just generally speaking, it's, it's uh, you know, the teams have been better one through, you know, 16 in the conference. But, 
you know, I don't know if we'll have last year where we had 800-point teams because I think it'll be hard to get there. You know, last year it was a drop-off, right? I mean, like, what were the Islanders nine last year? And they were out of it by a lot by the end, right? right. So, like, by 10, 12, 15 points. We're not gonna, I don't think we're going to have that this year. We're going to have a fight, I think, to the finish for maybe that last spot between one or two or three teams. So, um, you know, it, it, it's going to be really fascinating this year because it, it's just hard to predict. There's a lot of goals. And teams who won these streaks. I mean, the Penguins were really good to start the year. Then they were really bad for seven games. Then they were good for, like, six weeks. Then they just finished a six-game losing streak, getting a win in Arizona last night. So, I mean... It's hard to to get a grip on it when teams are kind of up and down. And there's been a lot of streaky teams and streaky yeah. scorers this year. Weird year that way. No, it is. And, and, and you take a look at some of the teams that could have better second halves, like Backstrom rejoining Washington. What could that mean to the Capitals in the second half of the season? Buffalo right now is just red hot. Thompson's having an MVP caliber season. They've got all these games in hand because of the the blizzards that we had in Western New York a couple of weeks ago. They've got 42 points, EJ, four points out of a playoff spot with two games in hand on Pittsburgh. They've got they've got four games in hand uh, on the Rangers and Islanders who are ahead of them. So it, I, I think it doesn't go any deeper than that. I draw the line above Florida. I think the Panthers are done. I mean, I watch them play. I just don't think they've got the traction to make up the points. Um, Detroit's got some games in hand, but I look at the East. Is it fair to just to say the two teams outside, the Islanders and the Sabres, are really the only two teams that realistically can still make the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I think we still got to give Detroit a kick at the can. But, you know, I think it'll be hard for them. But, uh, you know, I think that's what we're kind of looking at right now. Um, but, I, again, I, I just think that the competition in the division is still problematic for those teams trying to make it because the games, there's there's not as many easy games. I mean, you, you play the Flyers now. Like, you know, Toronto rang them up yesterday, but – like, Torch has those guys playing hard, and on any given night, as I think a lot of the teams I've seen, Carter Hart can stand on his head and steal a game from you. So, you know, for me, when I look at it, I just think it's just it's just going to be difficult because you've got to be able to win those games. You can't lose games to teams that are, you know, underneath you. Like, you know, Carolina has a cushion, so they can afford to end up losing a game. I guess it was a shootout or an overtime game to Columbus. But, you know, the teams like the Devils and the Rangers and the Caps and the Islanders and Buffalo, I mean, they got to find a way to get points in those games and they're playing teams below them and keep them below them and keep themselves above that that cut line. So I, I just think it's going to be really – it's really going to be interesting to watch this year because, I mean, the Islanders are another good example. I mean, they're hanging around. They still have good goaltending, good defense, but do they, do they get enough on a night-to-night basis? You know, and can they dictate playing games on a night-to-night basis to play the way they want to play and not get into kind of a run-and-gun game where they're not as effective? So uh, I'll be really interested to watch. And you're right, with Basham coming back and Tom Wilson, I mean, give Peter – Peter Laviolette, I think, deserves Coach of the Year. I mean, he's been right there. I mean, Jim Montgomery's having a historic year in Boston. So I guess that there's going to be a lot of push there, and, and deservedly so. But Peter Laviolette has managed a million injuries, and yet the Capitals uh, are right in the mix. And then it's no different really in the West because your team's on the outside looking in. Colorado, the defending Stanley Cup champions, they should get healthier. They've got games in hand on everybody. Uh, Nashville, if they continue to get the goaltending they got the other night, do you remember 
The last time you saw that many shots on goal in one game, and what I'm referring to is the Carolina onslaught and a 5-3 loss to Nashville had 67 shots on goal. UC Yoris with 64 saves. Um, do you re- when was the last time you remember in a regular season game that many shots on goal in regulation? I don't, re- you know, I don't remember it. The, the game that always stands out to me, and it goes way back, and you will probably remember it as well, is the Ron Tugnot game in the old Boston Garden when I guess he was, I think he was playing for Quebec or or, or Ottawa. Uh, I think it was Quebec. Not Quebec. Yeah, that, that's the game. I think 1991, but that game went to overtime. Yeah, and it was and it was it was a tie. At the end of the day, I mean, Yuki Saras found a way to win that game and against Carolina the other night. So yeah, I don't. Really, it's like I said. I'm sure there's been some games where teams have got that number of shots, but I just don't remember. Oh. Like the one that stands out again is the Tugnut game, and that was a and that was many years ago now. And you're right, that game went into the into overtime. At that time, the, the game just ended with a tie. So that game ended in a and, 3-3 tie, I believe. And we digress a bit here, but just to continue this side of the conversation, the one that jumps out to me, you may remember in the playoffs, it was game five between the Red Wings and the Winnipeg Jets in 1996 where Nikolai Javi Bulin made like 70 saves. Then they ended up going out in game wow. six. It was the last game they ever played before they moved to Arizona. That game, I, re- I think they had 70 shots on goal, obviously in regulation, and the Jets beat them just to be able to stave off elimination and end up losing Winnipeg in Game 6. I don't know if you remember that one. No, I don't remember that one, but, I, but I, you know, those Red Wings teams, I could imagine they could do it because they're kind of like Carolina in that, uh, you know, they, they're, they're loaded, they play high tempo, and, you know, that team, they had a... I mean, they were on the cusp of being, you know, winning multiple cups in the in the next in the coming years. So they had guys that could, could get pucks to the net. So I'm not surprised. Now, so how deep do you want to go in the West? Colorado, St. Louis, Nashville. I'm not going to go as deep as Vancouver, but would you say clearly the defending Stanley Cup champions have a chance? St. Louis surviving the injuries of Tarasenko and O'Reilly. Would you go as deep as Nashville? I think you have to at this point. I mean, I, I think it's still. I mean, I, I just think it's 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 just crazy out there. I mean, we're all I think going to say, well, Colorado's going to get their people back and they'll find a way in. And I, I and you know they're only two points out of a spot right now. They got three games in hand on Edmonton, who they're currently chasing that wild card spot. They had a nice win over them the other night in overtime. So I think you got to you got to you know you got to think that they're going to figure it out. Uh, you know, St. Louis and Nashville is. Is tougher. Um, Nashville has played fewer games. They've got some games that, that they can kind of make some hay in. I think the fact that Seattle has played so well has really thrown a monkey wrench into all this. I'm not a believer in Calgary this year, although they're in a spot right now. So, I mean, I think they're vulnerable. Uh, I like I like the L.A. Kings, especially when they get any kind of goaltending. Now, Phoenix Copley, I don't know if he's going to hold up, but... You know he's he's been helpful for them, and they got a really nice win over Vegas the other night. So uh, you know I, I like what what they're doing. Winnipeg has been good. I think Minnesota is probably a little bit vulnerable only because they're thin due to the fact that their cap is such is, is such a problem. They don't they won't be able to go out and make major ads if they get some injuries or some underperformance. So while they're doing well, I think they're vulnerable still. So I think you got to keep St. Louis and Nashville kind of hanging around the mix. And, you know, I think you're right. As much as I'd love to, to uh, especially on his birthday, 
to be kind to my buddy Bruce Boudreau in Vancouver. You know, they just haven't had the consistency. They got the goaltending injury to Demko. Um, you know, it's a shame because they can score goals and, and, and they've, they've got some really good offensive players there, but they're just not good enough defensively. And without Demko there to clean it up, it's, it's just it's going to be win one, lose one. I don't think that's going to be enough. Yeah, and it's as you had mentioned in passing about Boston. It's just, it's... We've been down this road before, right, EJ, where we're like, oh, nobody's beating this team for the Cup, and then what ends up happening? It wasn't that long ago, was it last year, Florida looked unbeatable, and they did get to the second round of the playoffs. And I know the postseason's a crapshoot, but I've watched a lot of Boston. What is the weakness? What What is the thing that even would concern you if you were a Bruin fan right now? Well, the only thing that would concern me would be, you know, injuries and down the stretch, right? I always say it, Donnie, injuries and matchups are the issue in the playoffs. And like we're in, you know, they don't give out the cup here in January. They give it out in June. And it's a long, long way to go. I mean, Tampa Bay Lightning, we saw that play out in, uh, what was it 2019, 18, 19, when they, when they had their historic run, I think they had 127 points or something like that during the regular season. And they were lights out good. And then they got some injuries down the stretch. And the next thing you know, it was, Four games later, they were on their way home, uh, get swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets. So, I mean, that would be the biggest thing that would concern me is just that, hey, just can, can we keep everybody healthy and going in the right direction throughout the season? And you know, just a lot of games yeah. left. I mean, they haven't. They their next game, they hit the halfway mark of the season, right? They've played forty games. They've been a historic with this pace they're on right now, thirty-two, four and four. They just went into the out to the Pacific, uh, you know, out to the out to California and swept out there. Now that's not like it was several years ago, but beating LA is still a, is still a really good win. And then they they didn't falter against San Jose or Anaheim, and Bachanak had a hat trick last night. I mean, he's up over thirty goals now. And I'll tell you one thing: going to the Winter Classic, two guys that really stood out to me. Uh, I, I think uh, Linus Olmark is uh, is no joke. I mean, you you watch the games. You know, the Bruins are rolling, but they could have lost a Winter Classic. And you talk to people around the Bruins, and there's a lot of games that they could have easily lost. Nina Zolmark has been a difference maker in goal. I mean, his save percentage is up at 939. Yeah. I mean, if he stays up, we saw that a little bit with Shesterkin last year. If Lena Zolmark stays up in that lofty area, I mean, that, that's going to be really difficult to, to beat the Bruins because they've got good depth throughout their forward lines. Uh, they've got some they got some depth, the guys that they can bring in and out of the lineup. Uh, their defense, the other guy I was going to mention is Hampus Lindholm because he just, you know, we knew he was good in Anaheim. The team has kind of struggled the last couple of years. You get the new lease on life in Boston, and then you put him in there with that group of defensemen they have. All of a sudden, they're much deeper on defense, and Lindholm is a bigger, stronger guy than I even remembered. And just a terrific defender. So, I mean, that's the only thing for me, Donnie. If they don't get, if they stay healthy, and you know they got some older players, if they continue to perform, they're just going to be a really hard team to beat in the playoff series. Yeah. But we're so far away from that. And like I said, we've seen this movie many times, mm-hmm. and most recently with, with the Lightning, and like you say, with the Florida Panthers last year in a different way. Now it's it, it, you know you're talking about Allmark. That obviously he doesn't have the pedigree. He's only played 176 games as a starter in his career. He was in Buffalo for a long time on a really bad team. But you wouldn't say he's got the pedigree of a classically great goaltender. Um, Swayman kind of in that same spot. Now you look at like 
Carolina. I wouldn't say their goaltending's been very good, but they don't have a great goaltender. Uh, The Devils don't have a great goaltender. Toronto doesn't have a great goaltender. Vegas doesn't have a great goaltender. Is the it, do do you look at it now and say, especially after the way Colorado won the Cup last year, you don't need a great goaltender. You just need your goaltender to play great. Yeah, well, he needed to play well and to make the saves he should make and to make the timely saves in the game. And I would tell you this: you're right. Omar doesn't have the pedigree. He hasn't had the the you know he hasn't been around long enough. He hasn't had this kind of season before. But when you watch him play. And he's gotten to that stage. I know you talk, uh, you know, Steve Aliquette does a great job on the Ranger broadcast. He talks about goaltenders getting to a certain number of games as pros, and that really is a, a touch point for them to take off. Allmark is big. He has a presence in the net. His glove is really good. He's available, uh, like, for saves, as the goalies like to say all the time. He reads the play really well. He's a really good goalie. Now, We'll see if, you know, how things continue to develop there. He's playing in front of a team that plays really well in front of him. They, they've got a good group of defensemen, but they give up chances too, and he has been there for them to clean it up. So I'll be really curious. Like I said, like, you know, you're right. He doesn't have that pedigree of having, you know, been a first-round pick and has won many times, and he was on a bad Buffalo team. Give Donnie Sweeney and that group of Boston a lot of credit. They went out and signed that guy as a free agent out of Buffalo. They liked what they saw. They probably saw him a number of times in the same division. And just as I mentioned, Hampus Lindholm, they went out and traded for Hampus Lindholm. They signed him to a long-term deal. Those two guys have been great additions for that team to complement what they already had there. Lena Solmark has a chance to be a really good goalie for a long time if he can, because he's got that size and the presence that a lot of guys just don't have. I know you got to run, EJ. Thanks so much for this. We'll talk to you again next week. You got it, Donnie. Hopefully I'll see you at the Garden this week. Maybe I'll be out there uh, for Dallas on Thursday. So All right, I'm looking nice. forward to it. I'm just doing the pre and post there so we can sit and chat. Well, we can chat, yes. I like that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Take care, buddy. Uh, that's the great EJ Raddick. Check him out on NHL Now on the NHL Network, 4 to 6 Eastern, Monday through Friday. And then check him out on Saturday afternoons. They usually have a game of the week. There's an afternoon game. He does it sometimes with Kevin Weeks. Um, he does a great job, EJ, very well-rounded play-by-play, um, the way he, journalistically he covers the sport, how entertaining he is. That's why we try to have him on once a week here on the podcast. Uh, interesting um, thing on Thursday. I didn't get a chance to really bring it up on Friday when I did the podcast, but you know, I was in Montreal for the Rangers and the Canadiens, and i got to tell you, if you're somebody that is a hockey fan and you've got the means – to travel, or if you're in the metropolitan area, it's only like a five, five and a half hour trip, depending on where you're coming from in the metropolitan area to get up to Montreal. You got to go. It is one of the great North American cities. It's a great hockey town. It's a great building. It's a great atmosphere. Uh, it is a hockey fan. If you want to travel around, your bucket list has to go to the Bell Center. But it's a really strange time for the Canadians right now because they're clearly in a rebuild. But it just shows you the fan base and how interesting it is. First of all, the building's packed, right? Even though uh, it's not a very good hockey team, they were not playing well at the time when the Rangers were in there on Thursday, um, really struggling mightily. They had lost five straight games, averaging giving up five goals a game. They allowed 30 goals in the five-game losing streak, which then became six. Rangers ended up beating them 4-1 to with an empty netter. But... There was one point in the game 
where it's a third period, it's 3-1, Montreal just made a 3-1, and you could hear a pin drop in the building. It's it, it just crazy. Like, just, they don't know how to react up there. Like, the atmosphere is great, but and, and everybody is there, and the building's full, and all that, and it's just that, and they're not booing the team either, because I think they understand it was in a rebuild, but it was just, there was a face-off in the offensive zone for the Rangers, and, and I said to Dave, I feel like I'm, I'm a golf commentator. I've never been in the Bell Center when it's been so quiet, and this team is only less than two years removed from making that miracle run to the Stanley Cup Final, but it's just been such a tough time for the Canadiens. They're playing tonight at home against the Kraken. Kraken have been a very good story. Hot again is Seattle, and EJ brought up um, the conversation about Coach of the Year, how Laviolette certainly deserves consideration. Well, Hackstall does as well in Seattle. Four straight wins for them. They've got 48 points, and they've got games in hand. They've got five games in hand on the Kings and sit just four points back of them. They've got uh, six games in hand on Vegas, eight points back. So if they're able to take care of business in at least half of those games in hand, they could be challenging Vegas for first place. So when we hit the halfway mark, that's certainly some consideration there. Buffalo plays host to Philadelphia. As we mentioned, Buffalo's been hot with games in hand as well. Boy, it'll be good to see the Buffalo Sabres back in the playoff hunt again. It's been so long since they've played meaningful games. Probably got to go back to 06 when they were in a conference final against Carolina the last time that they've had a really good team. And Thompson's just been unbelievable with 30 goals. Nashville's in one of those situations. They got to make up ground. They're in Ottawa to take on a Senators team that's 500. Got to get two points there. Kings and the Oilers. Interesting game later on tonight. We've talked about the Kings. Second place, but a minus four goal differential. But they're 7-2-1 in their last 10. Edmonton's kind of hanging around. They're in fifth place uh, in the division. They right now have the last wild card spot, which is a two-point cushion on Colorado, with Colorado still having three games in hand. So that's an interesting game as well. So that should be a lot of fun, what's happening there with the, the Kings and the Oilers in a late game. So if you could stay up late, definitely want to check uh, that game out. So uh, here's the deal with me. I'll be calling the Rangers and the Wild tomorrow at Madison Square Garden. That game can be heard on 98.7 ESPN New York. Uh, and then the Rangers will be taking on the Dallas Stars uh, coming up on Thursday. So that's what I'll be doing the pre and post for that over at the Garden. So that's what's happening with me during the course of the week, which frees me up for Wednesday for another edition of Game Misconduct. So we had EG on today. I want to thank him for that. Anthony Pusick always with his help as well. So if you want to get in touch with me, at Donald LeGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. We'll do a lot more tweets, and we'll get into uh, the interaction coming up on Wednesday when I do the next podcast. So we'll talk to you again then. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LeGreca.